Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings of one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's episode on April 19th, 2021. For those of you in New England, this is Patriot's Day. The shot heard around the world, Concord Bridge, all that. What did we do for Patriot's Day, Aaron? Uh, today is Patriot's Day, you're saying? Well, I grew up in Massachusetts, and April 19th was, in fact, Patriot's Day. Oh, okay. (laughs) I worked and I played guitar. Those are the two things I've been doing pretty much every day for the last several weeks. Okay, okay. And and did you say you got a brand new guitar? I did, I did. Ooh, what do we get? (laughs) You know, it's, it's a fancy paint job is what it is. I saw it and I fell in love with it, like... Uh, mm-hmm. you, if you look at it from one angle, it's a deep marine green. If you look at it straight on, it's this deep, rich, beautiful blue. And if you look at it from another angle, it's this incredibly grapey purple. And uh, it's just gorgeous. And I was like, I don't, I don't care. Give it to me. Well, I'm glad to hear that. It, that sounds like a great way to spend time. So uh, today, I personally spent two minutes eyeballing the brand new Shang-Chi trailer. Which we'll get to in a sec, because obviously other ways that people have been spending time over the past week are watching the two most recent episodes of Winter Soldier. In fact, this Friday, the sixth episode is going to drop, and I think they've absolutely been killing it with the show. I mean, obviously coming off of WandaVision, I kind of had high hopes for the show, but man, I love these episodes. By the way, if, if Kevin Feige were to reveal that season two is in the works, that'd be cool too. And two hours before Aaron and I sat down to record, we got a very big hint that there is in fact a season two of Falcon and the Winter Soldier coming. IndieWire just broke this news. Marvel Studios for this year's Emmys is going to be submitting Falcon and the Winter Soldier under the drama series category. Now, that contrasts what they did with WandaVision, where they submitted it to the, the Television Academy under the limited series category. So this is a very strong indication that Marvel thinks of Falcon and the Winter Soldier differently, that we could see Sam and Bucky for another go-round. But so, will the show be called the same thing if Falcon got his wings ripped off? What do you call a bird with no wings? Hoppy? Hoppy and the Winter Soldier? Will it still qualify as the same show if they have to change the name in season two? (laughs) This reminds me of the book when I was a child of socially inappropriate jokes. (laughs) Thank you. Accept your compliment. There was a whole series of this. What do you call a man man with no arms and legs who lays a... Mm-hmm. Oh, there we go. Or what do you throw a coke? A man who with no arms and legs that you throw uh, into the ocean. I helped okay. write. I, I, you should look. I think I'm listed as co-writer on that book. <laughs> wow. I used okay. to make well. a complete profession out of being inappropriate for like five hours a day, five days a week for uh, about a decade. I got uh, tapes of it on cassette in the closet. I don't want to get it out because it's next to the surprise face. It'll make a mess. You know all about that. All right. I'm I, to be honest, you know, given your youth and spending your adulthood playing guitars, I I'm rather envious, Aaron. <laughs> okay, speaking of Falcon of the Winter Soldier, folks, standard rules apply. We are not going to get in depth when it comes to talking about Falcon of the Winter Soldier second till the second half of today's show. Out of respect to all of you who haven't seen episode four or five yet, 
So if you haven't seen those installments of this Disney Limited series, you're safe for the most part. I'll listen to the front half of the show. Before Aaron and I get started here, let me remind you that the news portion of today's show is brought to you by Storybook Destination, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience, please book online at storybooksdestinations.com. Okay, so we started at the top talking about Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And just this morning, they released the poster, the teaser poster, and the trailer. What did you think, Aaron? Mostly, it's grounded, with the exception of a couple of glimpses that seemed very Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and the fantastic aerial aspect that was hinted at in Mm -hmm. a scene. And mm-hmm. then there was a lion in a battle that looked like it should have been out of House of Flying Daggers meets Narnia or something. I'm so glad you said that because there's a crowd scene where there's two of them looming up in the background, but the crowd is out of mm-hmm. focus. But it's like, you know, kind of the, the is it the Chinese lions? You know, the ones where... Yeah, like they're statues uh, you know, or something it, at the temple, foot of the temple steps or something. Only they're moving. They're big shaggy animals to the back you know so it's like okay that's interesting also uh, you know you sent a note earlier today which i think is the big question i think a lot of folks won't necessarily pick up on the the first pass through of the this trailer but can you talk about who you thought we saw well geez it's so hard now because marvel is kind of fluid with how it approaches certain things and I actually had mm-hmm. to go do an IMDb look and see what's up. And so the uh, mm-hmm. to get answer your question, I thought we saw Mandarin. That's who I thought we saw. Mm-hmm. And the instant okay. that we that I think we saw it was there's a, a a gentleman and the and the camera moves in front of him, and then the ten rings kind of focus up behind him. So I think mm-hmm. you know that's a pretty good hint that might be the Mandarin. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we've been fooled before by having uh, Ben Kingsley play the role of the Mandarin, mm-hmm. but this time that's that's who I'm guessing at. So I had to go to IMDb. Turns out that in ye olden day of comic book, the father of Shang-Chi was Fu Manchu. However, okay. Marvel lost the rights to that character. Oh, okay. All and right. also I, it, I, the, I, it was a little bit on the stereotypical side, I believe. There were some, yeah. some mm-hmm. things, some liberties taken and how the characters portrayed okay. that were n- not quite so complimentary. So mm-hmm. previously, Shang-Chi's father was the Fu Manchu, and now they've, they had a different name for his father in this movie. And it is also, I, even though I cannot remember the name of the character for his father in the MCU movie that's coming up, it's not any name that was previously been known as the Mandarin. So there's no direct link there. However, the voiceover dialogue strictly talks about, son, I let you go for 10 years. I beat you like a dog so nobody could kill you and made you the toughest thing around. Now it's time for you to come back and inherit your legacy. Then they do the shot of the guy with the 10 rings, which we believe is the Mandarin. So, I mean, that's my theory going with that. Unless they're trying to do a misdirection and pull the rug out from under us, which they've done before. Oh, yes, yes, yes. But again, I, I like this theory. And Well, and now the other thing was that the overall, I guess, concept of Shang-Chi, and this is where I'm, I'm very befuddled. There's a couple of different things. But first off is mm-hmm. his dad has always been known to be a villain, whether it be mm-hmm. Fu Manchu or whether it be the Mandarin under a different name. It seems, and with the trailer, this teaser trailer pretty much is saying daddy's a bad guy. 
So if that's your starting point, we don't have that reveal, that gasp moment of, oh, it's his dad that's the bad guy, right? That's not a mystery. That's just a, a given now. So mm -hmm. I, I think that there has to be some very compelling drama that is not being talked about if that's your starting point. Because normally that you, you well, would tease I mean, that or you wouldn't even hint at that. You would let that be the big shocker at the end. So, you know, mm -hmm. if, if you're, that's how you're starting in the teaser, I'm, I'm just predicting the drama has to be out of left field that I can't even see right now. Also, another question is mm -hmm. they have a quick shot of some uh, an arm with some rings that are kind of glowing on them. Are those mm -hmm. the 10 rings now? Have we, have we graduated from 10 finger rings to 10 arm rings, five on each arm? Hmm. Now I got to go back and watch this thing a third time. I guess I didn't see the glowing rings. I saw Aquafina driving a bus. All hail Aquafina. She's a treasure. Back in the 1980s, Bette Midler used to be Disney's go-to girl. I mean, down and out in Beverly Hills, ruthless people, a big business, Oliver and Company, beaches, hocus pocus. And I'm beginning to think, especially with Rhea and the Last Dragon and her wonderful performance in that, and now what looks to be scene-stealing work in, you know, Shang-Chi and, and the Ten Rings. I, I think Disney has found their new go-to girl. It'll be interesting to see what she next does for the mouse. One last thing about the trailer, and I, I swear okay. to God, if, if they manage to find a way to cram the Cosmic Cube into this movie, I'm going to kick a baby unicorn. <laughs> Other than that, it looks mostly grounded, okay. and, the, and I'll tell you what, the, the fight scenes have better be the mm -hmm. most blazing fight scenes ever choreographed and put to film in the history of anything. Because I think the entirety of this movie is going to rely on this dude kicking ass in ways we've never even comprehended ass being kicked. I, I will say this. It's been a, a largely positive, you know, a response to this trailer. In fact, I, I think the greatest compliment that was paid to it online, I, I saw somebody post on Twitter earlier today, can we just forget about Black Widow and go straight to Shang-Chi? <laughs> also, breaking today, we learned that Olivia Coleman from The Crown is now in negotiations to join Samuel L. Jackson and Ben Mendelsohn in Marvel's Secret Invasion limited series for Disney+. Plus. I have been... At home this past weekend, uh, Nancy had back surgery, and so you know we're locked in the house during her recuperation and recovery for the next couple of months. So, in between taking care of her, I had TBS on, and this weekend they were running Captain Marvel and Ant Man and the Wasp, and both of these films highly entertaining, very polished productions. And I especially now on the heels of WandaVision really enjoyed the introduction of Randall Park's Jimmy Woo character in, in Ant-Man and the Wasp. But I also have to say, after having watched all the episodes of WandaVision and most of Falcon and the Winter Soldier now, I can't help but think, but as good as Captain Marvel and Ant-Man and the Wasp were, how would these stories have been different if they had the luxury of time, if they could have been told over three hours, over several installments? I just wish that the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. were happening now instead of uh, mm. back in the vacuum days when there was nothing surrounding them. They were just kind of on their own uh, because mm. they could they could link all of these. They, they could be the spine that links all of these various stories together by showing up of, oh, there's an emergency out over in uh, Westview. Let's go see what it is. Oh, it's Wanda. Oh, there's a thing going on over here. What's that? Oh, it's Bucky and Sam on an adventure. You know, they're the support team. And uh, yeah, I think that they really could have been 
so much better used. But uh well, I mean we got we got a wonderful shield story on its own. Yeah. So yeah. we'll not look yeah. the gift horse in the mouth. No, Nay. I still want want to see more Clark Trek. And obviously no one's better than Marvel Studios at keeping secrets. That's why light spoiler regarding the Falcon of the Winter Soldier here. What I loved about this most recent episode, episode five, was Julia Louis-Dreyfus just sashaying into Falcon of the Winter Soldier as Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. And, and again, I did my due diligence, Aaron. Supposedly, this character is Madame Hydra? She is one of the many Madame Hydras. She was not the only one oh. to have the moniker. So, yes, indeedy, okay. this is a, a specific one. Okay. Okay. But again, she, she just walks in with virtually, I mean, no, not virtually, no introduction. Right. And supposedly there's a reason for this, by the way, that, that did you see where, where Dreyfus's character was actually supposed to be introduced in Black Widow? That's been making me rather curious as to how that's going to come off. Is it like, did we tell the joke or the punchline before the joke? Or yeah, yeah. how's that going to play out now? Because we know she exists in our MCU. I can't wait to see how she impacts Black Widow. Turns out she's Taskmaster. Mm-hmm. What <laughs> if? Oh my goodness! Mind blown. I, 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 I no, don't get me wrong. You know that I love the fact that Julie Louis Dreyfus is a Marvel villain. Oh yeah. I mean, again, that this is a, a killer. Especially cast, after coming off idea. of Veep, <laughs> I just love her there. Well, that, no, that's that it exactly. You know, that's one of the things she looks so matter of fact. So comfortable. I mean, this is a hallway in the U.S. Yeah. Senate. And the fact that she just plops herself down between John Walker and his wife and you know, after some vague reassurance, like, yeah, you did the right thing. And it's like, hands him a blank business card and walks off. It was such a cool introduction. And, you know, and the fact that it was handled so matter of fact, and, all right, yes, I know that we get the property introduction you know, to Black Widow, but it still now, worked. while you were doing your due diligence, did you happen to accidentally stumble across the fact this may be leading towards some Thunderbolts action? No. Okay, so Thunderbolts is a, is a team, kind of like you might have a Suicide Squad in a DC universe, a bunch of baddies that have to team up and do a thing. And so U.S. agent and uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus character and uh, add some other baddies collected along the way. Maybe uh, Batroc the Leaper. Oh, okay. I I now have some reading to do after today's show. Very cool. But again, you know, what was nice about this is Julia Louis-Dreyfus showing up in episode five was a total surprise because Julia Louis-Dreyfus is a pro. She can keep a secret. You know, she didn't breathe a word about working on Black Widow or Falcon and the Winter Soldier previously. And, and let's face it, Marvel Studios likes working with actors who can keep secrets, who, who understand that you don't want to spoil the surprise of an upcoming film or TV show. And in fact, Benedict Cumberbatch recently took part in a Zoom press conference where I, I'm not sure the project he was he's promoting, but evidently he's doing this interview in the makeup room for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And again, you know, because he's being made up, for the day and evidently dr strange has a different look for the multiverse film there's rumors to the effect of he's he's clean shaven in the film 
Benedict deliberately pointed the camera of the laptop at the ceiling. So the entire interview, you're looking at stippled ceiling, you know, and he, he apologizes, but it's like, you know, I, I you know, I got to do what Marvel tells me to do. You know, do. that that just so, describes the fantasy of so many female fans out there who would love to hear the sound of Benedict Cumberbatch <laughs> while looking at a stippled ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> Again, remind you, folks, those letters go to Aaron Adams. Also, want to point out here, a quick aside, uh, Adam Barnhart of comicbook.com collected some great stories about the first Doctor Strange and and Cumberbatch's beard in that film. And uh, it's actually Rachel McAdams uh, who told marvel.com on the red carpet for the original Doctor Strange back in 2016 that he has this wonderful facial hair in the film. Sometimes it's real and sometimes it's glued on. And I hope I'm not telling tales out of school here, but if he laughed too hard and we were all, he was always making jokes, it would come off. And so again, I wanted to share that story because just because Benedict's clean shaven doesn't, in some scenes, doesn't necessarily mean that Dr. Strange is without his signature goatee for the whole film. I don't know if they were to tie this into community, they could have Abed doing the uh, good universe versus the bad universe, and you can tell what's going on in the multiverse of madness is whether the doctor's got his goatee or not. Is that too deep of a cut there? Did anybody understand that? No, no, no. No, I just, you know, again, you know, that they, I'm, I'm blanking the name of the original star trek episode that started that idea the mirror universe or i don't know what the name of it was but i just we just call it the mirror universe episode no no that's it i I think that's it but it we're dealing with the the villainous spot because it's that goatee that became the the go-to like you know we're in the the villain universe because there were so villainous strange is clean shaven because ours (laughs) has got the goatee it's it's very very difficult there we go so this is Benedict. He, like Julia, plays by the, uh, the Marvel Universe. Where is Christian Bale, who has a lot of experience in the DC Universe and you know, worked in the Batman movies, kept a lot of secrets. I don't know if you saw it this past weekend. Bale took his family to Australia's Palm Beach, um, which is about an hour away from where Thor, Love and Thunder, is being shot in Sydney. To give the guy credit, he's driven an hour away from where the movie's being made. Maybe he thought he'd be away from prying eyes. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Someone with a camera, more than likely someone with a camera phone, saw Bale and his family during the visit to Palm Beach, which is why we now know that the look of Gore the God Butcher, the character that Bale will be playing in this Taika Waititi movie, for some reason requires Bale to shave his head and to look exceedingly thin. You know, a Christian will do this for a role, either put on weight or, or lose a lot of weight. Does that line up with what you know of this character it neither lines up nor does not line up with what i know of this character for i know absolutely nothing of this character <laughs> okay that's a good answer i'll take it okay so but again i just i kind of feel bad for the guy you're trying to do something nice for your family you know i mean it could be one of those and... things i know like doug jones for example has to shave his head quite a bit mainly because he's covered in prosthetics so it could be a thing mm. where um, he's gaunt and thin and shaved like a baby newborn because they're going to be applying many, many prosthetics over top of him. The gentleman who played Thanos in... Josh Brolin. Uh, and there we go. I mean, if you see him on set, you know, he's wearing a motion capture suit that, you know, I mean, does have a hood. 
and just because Thanos was bald, you know, he didn't have to shave his head. So yeah, uh, but I mean, I that was wonder... a complete CG reconstruction. There was nothing of Josh Brolin that was used except for his voice. Uh, I mean, they did capture his face so they could map something over it. But I mean, if you're going to go with prosthetics and glue uh, a, a fake headpiece on top of someone, mm-hmm. I mean. The one one good way to answer it is I can just go look up a picture of the dude and see what the heck he looks like and see if he's a bald headed guy or a. Uh... That is an excellent point. You know that I did not think of that. In fact, you know what's so funny is if you see the the pictures of Josh Brolin on the set of Endgame, you know that there's this little thing that they they put you know up behind his neck that it extends you know the, his height about two feet. And there's the equivalent of, of a ping pong ball up there. And they they kept having to remind the, the actors. It's like, yes, Josh's face is here, but Thanos's eye line is up there. So be sure when you're, you're acting with him to look up there. Right. The closest, just the, the quickest Google image results. I'll say the quickest mm-hmm. I can give a shorthand to this is uh, Malekith mm-hmm. from Thor two, where mm-hmm. Christopher Eccleston was playing the character. But mostly in prosthetics. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the look they're going for here. Very, very gaunt and thinny. Very, very pale Mm -hmm. white. Almost looks like entirely nude-ish, except with like a hood and and a cloak. But the rest is like a body Mm -hmm. paint. And like rather nude-ish, I gotta say. So uh, I'm going to I'm going to say we'll go with prosthetics is the answer on this one until we see otherwise. Okay. Duly noted. Okay. So again, Benedict turns the laptop to the ceiling and Christian accidentally by taking family to the beach kind of reveals what what Gore the God Butcher looks like. And then there's Alfred Molina. He's like, hey guys, look at this bag I've got. It's got some cats in it. Let me show you. (laughs) 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 Oh my God. Who let all these cats out of the bag? Alfred. Uh, that that pretty much sums up the exclusive interview that 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 Alfred did with Variety this past weekend, which which totally blew the doors off of Doc Ock being in the Spider-Man, you know, No yeah. Way Home. This story by Kate Arthur, wonderful interview, well worth going out of your way to read the full thing. It starts off with Melina talking about the level of security on the Spider-Man No Way Home set. It's like, when we were shooting it, we were all under orders not to talk about it because it was supposed to be some great big secret. But, you know, it's all over the internet. I actually described myself as the worst kept secret in Hollywood. And it just goes downhill from there, folks. Alfred was actually out doing publicity for the Oscar-nominated film, Promising Young Woman, and he was asked by Kate to the effect, what's it like to be back playing Doc Ock after all this time? It was wonderful, he said. It's really interesting going back after 17 years to play the same role, given that in the intervening years, I now have two chins, a waddle, crow's feet, and a slightly dodgy lower back. I have to say... I already loved Alfred Molina before this interview with my own double chins and waddle and crow's feet. I love this guy. Well, Doc Ock has always been a little bit on the portly side anyway, so I think he's actually fitting more and more into the character than he ever has before. By the way, after this interview, Alfred Molina was never heard from again. (laughs) Marvel could not be reached for comment. Go ahead, Jim. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, so I love the illusion of your bag of cats because, boy, did he let mm. them out. You know, it's like, for example, what is Doc Ock doing back in the Spideyverse? Because remember, the climax of, of Spider-Man 2, we see Melina's character redeeming himself by making a heroic sacrifice. He, he seems to drown in the East River as Doc Ock pushes his arc reactor, you know, and they sink down into the depths. And Alfred, to his credit, wondered about this too, only to be told by Spider-Man No Way Home director John Watts, in this universe, no one really dies. According to this piece that Kate Arthur wrote for Variety, Doc Ock's return to the Spideyverse will key off that exact moment in the river from Spider-Man 2, which I just think is a fascinating story idea. But then uh, uh, Melita goes on to, to talk about John Watts. Since it's been 17 years since he last play, played Doc Ock in the, the 2004 Columbia Pictures release, well, Alfred was worried that he's, he's 67 years old now and, and that no one is going to buy him now as a Marvel supervillain, which causes Watts to laugh. And, and, and John then replies, did you see what we did with Robert Downey Jr. and Samuel Jackson? Which again, obviously referring to, to Downey being de-aged via CG in Captain America Civil War and Samuel Jackson appearing as a younger version of Nick Fury in, in 2019's Captain Marvel. What's so refreshing about this interview is you so rarely get people who speak truthfully when you know, they're talking to the Hollywood press. Because Melina, in this conversation with Watts, isn't really convinced when it comes to the CG de-aging. And it's like, he's like, did you see Martin Scorsese's The Irishman? I mean, they made Robert De Niro's face look younger. But when De Niro was fighting, he, he still looked like an old guy. And it's like, that's what's worrying me about playing Doc Ock again. I, I don't have the physicality I did 17 years ago. That's just a fact. And it's like. Who talks like this to a reporter? Someone who doesn't have much to lose, which he knew his time was limited. He was trying to get the facts out before Marvel could get to him. The clock was ticking. <laughs> oh, but 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 here's here's the thing that that uh, but then supposedly Melina remembers what it was like to work with Sam Raimi and Tobey Maguire in Spider-Man Two. I then remembered that it's the tentacles that do all the work. And so, all right, they, 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 Kate described Alfred sitting up straight in his seat. My basic physical move with Doc Ock as the actor is, is just this. And so this is Melina. What Melina says is he stares intensely into the Zoom camera and makes a menacing noise. He says, I just do that. And the arms are doing all the killing and the smashing and the breaking. I'm just going <laughs> with a kind of mean look on my face. It was fantastic. It, this is a great, great interview. You really got to read the whole thing. But and, and to be fair, Kate does include a section in this story that neither Sony Pictures nor Marvel Studios, who, who, which are co-producing Spider-Man No Way Home, have confirmed Molina's return. Now, Aaron, you have to be thinking the exact same thing I'm thinking at this, you know, with this much information being put out there. There is absolutely no way, you know, I mean, first of all, Alfred Molina is a, is a total pro. He's worked for decades. He's Wait a minute, made... were you saying that he was throwing out a bag of red herrings instead of actual kittens? <laughs> I was so happy to have a fluffy kitten turned out to be a dead fish. What? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I What I'm saying is somebody who's been in 200 films, TV shows, stage plays, he's a vet. He's done this before. He's familiar with NDAs. So I'm calling shenanigans. I, I think, Really? Wow. I, I think this is 
a rerun of what happened in June of 2018 when Tom Holland supposedly spoiled the title of the sequel to Spider-Man Homecoming that he accidentally on Instagram revealed that, you know, this film was going to be called Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh. It was like a year afterwards we learned that not only was Sony okay with this idea, they actually encouraged Holland to do this on social media. So again, I, I have to say, don't get me wrong, I love this interview. I, and again, I could not love Alfred Molina more, given the way he talked to Kate Arthur. Okay, so if we if we do have, there's a couple things that I have mm-hmm. issue with. If okay. the director does say, well, okay, so you're calling shenanigans on on the whole story, mm-hmm. so it's it's all bumpkiss. But if there was... I am, it's still a great it, story. It is a really great so story. Don't let the truth stand in the way of a great story, Aaron. You know, that, 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 <laughs> well, I want to know, was this was this originally like recorded on April 1st and someone like typed it up on the 4th and then nobody realized that it was a joke the whole time? I, I want to know where what, what the actual date was because like if uh, he's going in the – he drowns at the end of Spider-Man 2 and if, if yeah. they pull him out of the water somehow, let's say his little energy machine – his little portable mm-hmm. sun, if he if he got sucked into the portable sun and then shoots out into the Spider-Verse or whatever and comes and lands here. Mm-hmm. Well, originally when we were talking about Jamie Foxx coming back as Electro, it wasn't supposed to be mm-hmm. the same Electro. He said it's not the blue Electro from Amazing Spider-Man 2, and that was the only thing that gave me any sense of relief. It was like, okay, at least mm-hmm. it's not that one. Like, I got no problem mm-hmm. with Jamie Foxx as an actor. I just didn't like that version of Electro. So then we get to Alfred Molina going, oh, no, same Doc Ock, just many years mm-hmm. later, but they're going to CG me to make me look young. And I'm like, oh, God, no. I'm just thinking Fred Astaire dancing with a dirt devil. This can't end well. And thank you for referencing that, especially ahead of the Academy Awards this week. I, I, I remember what an uproar that, that ad caused. Yeah. I have concerns, but for a different reason. I love. Spider-Man 2. I loved Doc Ox in the final moments, you know, sort of gaining control of the tentacles and, and being the hero, redeeming himself. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. And I want to see Alfred Molino play this, this role again, but I don't want to undo the heroic sacrifice. I don't want him to become the villainous Doc Ock. Yeah. I see now in in my mind the, the the only way that it makes sense is like we can have multiple Doc Ock's, multiple Electros, but like Tom Holland has to be the only Spider-Man. Like those would be his natural enemies from different universes because it just doesn't make sense if you have different three different actors playing the same mm-hmm. Peter Parker character. But then you say, but in all different universes, it would be the same Electro, would be the same Doc Ock. That mathematically doesn't quite make sense. So it's just like, I just want Tom Holland to be able, it's like, I don't, and and then if Doc Ock just shows up from a different universe somehow mysteriously and they don't explain it, they just say, whoop, he was in a different MCU. I mean, we understand mm-hmm. now that we've got a multiverse working, so mm-hmm. don't even tell me how he got here. I don't even want to know. I'll probably get angry if you do try and explain it. Just put him on the stage, let him be mad crazy for whatever reason. And you don't have to link directly to two then. You can just have a a fresh new experience of a different version of Dr. Octopus who didn't have the exact same outcome as what we had in Spider-Man 2 Sam Raimi 2004. 
then all of a sudden I'm okay with everything. But if you bring in Andrew Garfield, I'll go, I didn't like that Spider-Man. He was arrogant and cocky and not the Spider-Man that he should have been. And Tobey Maguire, I liked very much, but he doesn't want to play in the thing with, unless they throw sacks of money at him. So it's just like, nope, I just, just give me Tom Holland, throw everybody else in the stage and don't explain it. Okay. No. Speaking of Sam Raimi, did you see that Sam's latest movie for Marvel, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, is supposed to wrap production this week? Another demonstration of how good Marvel Studios is at at keeping secrets. There was a tweet back on April twenty, excuse uh, me, April sixteenth, uh, from Kevin Feige, where he said, "I'm here in London on the set of Doctor Strange for our final week, and Lizzie is here, having worked nonstop from having wrapped WandaVision to stepping." right into Doctor Strange 2, and, and Lizzie as in Elizabeth Olsen. And not a picture is leaked out. We don't know what she looks like for this film. There are folks who work for Marvel who know how to keep you a secret. Back to Sam Raimi now. This is the story that's been bubbling up in the trades. As the story goes, Aaron, now that they've got Sam back in the fold, Marvel Studios, especially the Kevin Feige version of Marvel Studios, doesn't want to let Raimi go. So supposedly, Sony Columbia Pictures, and remember, they're looking big time to expand their Sony Pictures universe of Marvel characters. Again, I know that's your favorite, you know, Norwegian Mm. word. They supposedly now want to make Spider-Man 4, as in a continuation of the Spidey series that starred Tobey Maguire and was directed by Sam Raimi. The kicker for this this rumor that this Spider-Man 4 that they're talking about making at Sony, Columbia Pictures, supposedly builds off of something that happens in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness rather than Spider-Man No Way Home. So, your thoughts? Uh, 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 uh. Excuse me, I had to pick my jaw up off the floor. It's hard to talk without a lower portion of your mouth. As I was going to say, mm-hmm. <laughs> I should just bleep this out for the next 30 seconds. <laughs> okay. All right. A little audio engineering there. Okay. I appreciate that. Uh, no, I mean, uh, I think I need to know the published date of this story as well, since we're still in the month of April. If this may have been an April 1st gag, uh, I can understand Feige saying, hey, you know, Disney has all of these minivans that are going to waste, Mm -hmm. so we've just decided to fill them up with gold bullion and drive them to your house, Sam, to make use of them. Will you accept that to continue making movies for the MCU? I can can see that portion of the equation happening. Mm -hmm. The the next part where we go, we get Tobey Maguire to come back and you remember how you wanted to do Spider-Man 4 with the lizard and Sony said go to hell and then they did that in the amazing Spider-Man and now I want to create a a Spider-Man 4 and it's exactly not the idea that you wanted to do because that already got done (laughs) so uh what exactly was this conversation they're having what's the new idea outside of like we're gonna have an older Tobey Maguire so we're gonna have a very adult Spider-Man mm-hmm is he married to MJ? Is he divorced like he was in the uh, different in the version of Into the Spider Verse? What's his drama? What's what's the point? 
And isn't uh, Doctor Strange supposed to close this multiverse of madness and, and stop all this nonsense? I just get the sense that so many people at Marvel Studios are seeing the things that are coming out of like WandaVision and Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And, and more to the point, you, you mentioned the wonderful Peter Ramsey uh, animated feature, you know, Into the Spider-Verse. I, there's just so much raw potential there for stories that don't have to necessarily link right up with the MCU. That was the thing with Shang-Chi right there. It was I could not see mm-hmm. any link at all to the MCU. And I was like, oh, this is fresh and new. Mm-hmm. Simply because Shang-Chi seemed so far to have absolutely no connection to the MCU outside of the Mandarin character, which was hinted at in mm-hmm. Iron Man 3. That's what I'm excited about is it's it's just different. One might argue, argue the same thing about the Eternals. But when you factor in Sony Pictures supposedly want to wanting to expand their own Spideyverse, so to speak. Well, that's going to require a, a contract renegotiation, right? Because last time that they negotiated, we were supposed to get the... Was it the last movie? The No, wait. No Way Home is the first mm-hmm. one. I don't know how many was he supposed to be in team-ups and then one extra one after that, and then we got to renegotiate the contract? The initial conversation I had, and somebody, I can't really reveal my source, is, is you know, going to go dig through the files and get back to me on it. But again, the notion was that Sam Raimi did have a contract with Sony Columbia Pictures to make Spider-Man 4. And that supposedly there may be language in that deal that if it's Tobey Maguire playing Spider-Man and it's Sam Raimi directing it, this property all by itself exists in a legal space where it's like, well, you know, we are finally honoring the terms of this contract that we had back in the mid 2000s. Okay, now wait a minute. Hold on. This is a completely different scam. Is this going to even count as part of the Tom Holland movies? Or is Sony just going, hey, we've got the ability to just create wholesale brand new Spider-Man crap that has nothing to do with the MCU and therefore we can do whatever we please? That's supposedly, in fact, it's interesting you bring this up because that's supposedly how the Enter the Spider-Verse home, because remember, we've got two in the works for 2002. That's kind of the thinking. It's getting to the effect of the Tom Holland thing is this thing, you know, on very separately. Spider-Verse is another thing. And the notion of going through the files and finding, hey, the terms of the Sam Raimi, Tobey Maguire thing potentially apply. In, you know, today. Okay, so I got a message for, for our friends at Sony. I have mm-hmm. a rolled up newspaper here. I'm going to <laughs> swat you on the nose and say, stop it. Bad. <laughs> bad stop it stop Uh, it one more time all right okay speaking of stopping folks we need to take a break here for for an ad or two but when we get back aaron and i will talk about episode four and five of falcon and the winter soldier one last quick story before we jump into talking about the most recent episode of falcon and the winter soldier in fact we were just a second ago talking about the eternals that's still due to arrive in theaters November 5th of this year. Early this month, it's the Sundance Collab, 
Dylan Tincher and Craig Wood. Uh, these are the gentlemen who are editing The Eternals while Chloe Zhao, the, the director of that Marvel film, was actually off working on Nomadland. And, and Aaron, isn't it crazy that she literally went from working on this Marvel Cinematic Universe to straight into what is now supposedly the, the one of the stronger candidates for, and, and in multiple categories, mind you. Have you uh, seen Nomadland? Not yet, not yet. Um, if you've ever wanted to see Francis McDormand poop in a bucket, that's your chance. <laughs> Make sure you bring the kids, the youngins. They'll appreciate that. <sighs> okay, that's. Hey, isn't that lady from Fargo pooping on a bucket? <laughs> well, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Well, I I am now reluctant to move forward with Dylan and Craig, and and they're describing the process and of editing, not ever getting. But here, they, they talk about working in the Eternals. It's like, we did the whole first cut without much input put from Chloe in terms of takes or this or that, but that's why we were hired, for our creativity and our experience and our sense of humor. Just to be clear here, Chloe edits her own films, and she has very strong opinions. The things that she wants to tweak, we tweak, but by and large, she really relied on her experience and point of view. And they prepped the first cut of the film, and they showed it to Chloe, and only then you know, she began working on the film. And in fact, remember we did that story about the reshoots for the Eternals. And that might then plug into uh, what we heard there. Oh, wait, did Zack Snyder take over that movie as well with reshoots? Is that getting extended <laughs> as well? <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, uh, just quick side note to DC Universe fans out there. Mm -hmm. The Flash began production today. So going to be interesting to see how that one turns out. All right, so now back to Falcon and the Winter Soldier. First of all, Aaron, before we get started here, I, can I say no disrespect to Anthony Mackie for his work, uh, Sam Wilson as Falcon or Sebastian Shaw as Bucky Barnes, the Winter Soldier, but isn't Wyatt Russell just killing it as John Walker? Oh, he's so fun to hate. Well, that's it exactly. I mean, you're just this super dedicated soldier who, you know, obviously really wants to deliver the goods as the new Captain America, but but in spite of his own best efforts, keeps getting in his own way, keeps making bad calls, keeps tripping up until, of course, in episode four, you know, the that ending, you know, the right. ultimate bad call. I mean, oh my God, you know. The weird thing is he's usually saying the correct words that mm -hmm. a, a hero would say in that moment and the tone mm -hmm. is fine. And it's like, he's really, really trying to be the good guy mm -hmm. and he still manages to be very hateable. I mean, if you were to just give any actor a piece mm -hmm. of paper and read that, they could read it like a hero with a chiseled mm -hmm. jaw and, and be very sincere about, you know, what they're doing. You've got to really be able to look at the words and find some intent to make it dripping with, I want to slap your little mug back and forth all day long, right? Because mm -hmm. the words are, it, it almost sounds like, you know, something that Cap would say most of mm -hmm. the time. Mm -hmm. It's just, mm -hmm. you got to read them differently to get that, you know, I want to just throttle you type of mm -hmm. response out of the general public that he's getting. Speaking of which, I, I, one of the things I, I find fascinating about Falcon and the Winter Soldier is that even though Chris Evans has never appeared in this thing, his take on Captain America looms so large over this limited, well, excuse me, series, drama series, hopefully season two to be announced. And, you know, whether it's Sam's decision with the shield or it's, I, I, again, that speech 
with Bucky about if he was wrong about you, he's wrong about me. And the end of episode four with that shield and the blood on it, and it's just sort of like, oh, God. No, hold on, let's let's talk about that for just a brief moment. Yep. The way that he held that shield and he pummeled it into that person's chest, did that remind mm-hmm. you of any other moment within the MCU? Very specific now, very specific. Okay, I, it's not ringing any bells, but I want to hear this insight. End of Civil War, when Cap defeats Iron Man, Iron Man is on his back and he uses that shield in the exact same way to hammer him in the chest oh, and knock out his arc reactor. No. One disables his friend, the other one kills in cold blood. Same move, same move, different results. Holy cow, I didn't. Yeah, now the weight of that comes a little bit harder, doesn't it? When you compare the two side by side. Wow. Yeah. There's a lot of things. Like, my wife was, like, looking at him using a a gun with the shield and was like, Cap Mm -hmm. wouldn't do that. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. first movie. There we go. When he was in the war, he came out with the pistol and the shield up. And, yeah, he used to do that in Mm -hmm. the olden day. But that's the, the interesting thing. Over Chris Evans' run as Cap, we saw him evolve we saw him question the system mm-hmm. and in a weird sort of way come back around but with also a more be put no- on trial so to speak as well there we go there we go I, and and the weird part of it is you can kind of understand how walker wound up doing it i mean we, we saw yeah. his longtime partner lamar hoskins Battlestar, get killed by carly Mor- morgenthal that they the leader of the flag smashers and we have to remember that john also we'd never saw him do it but clearly the super soldier serum is surging through his veins and and all that made me think of was that great speech from the first captain america movie the, the mm-hmm. first adventure where dr abram erskine is, is talking with steve rogers the thing about the serum is it makes you more of what you are and so walker is already showing signs that he's kind of unstable he's not handling the pressure of being captain america really really well but to do what he did to do to kill a man with the, the Captain America shield, but now that you remind me of the Iron Man thing in Civil War, holy cow. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of parallels that I find between what they're doing with uh, US agent John Walker, I still can't mm. call him Cap, and Captain America simply because I think to uh, compare and contrast and, and say the sky is really only a hair's breadth away from what Cap went through, top to bottom, really. Mm-hmm. And he's making pretty much similar choices, and he's mm-hmm. doing similar things, but you still got to hate him. That's the way that he's going to play out, and and that's fine, because he's doing such a good job being a, a lovable villain. You got to, I love a, a villain that you can really sink your teeth into and go, he's, he's not just being, you know, he's not trying to take over the world. He thinks he's doing good, and that's the, you know, villains don't wake up in the morning going, I'm going to go do evil. Well, in contrast, if somebody just laid the key ingredients of Falcon and the Winter Soldier out in front of you and you saw, okay, so they're bringing back Daniel Burrell to play Baron Zemo again, without knowing anything about the project, that's our villain. You know, that the exactly Zemo gets right. Out. Yeah. And what they did with this character in this limited series, every time Zemo is on screen, I don't know what this guy's going to do. He's almost like our Hannibal Lecter. We're going to him for advice. 
and he could bite your face off. <laughs> yeah, and it just sort of like when they're the Wakanda guard. I mean, in fact, we we have to talk about that scene in the the, the suite where the, the Wakanda scene. Oh my God! Where they he's got his shield. He's Captain America. He's going to take out the, these women with their spears, and they hand his ass to him. Yeah, and the, just to watch Zemo just casually get up, step into the bathroom, and disappear. You know, the whole time he's always. To oh hell, he's ten steps ahead of everybody. Yeah, but then that scene at the Sokovia Monument. Well, first of all, I I want to go to the Sokovia Monument now. I you know the the memorial. I it looked nice, you know, the, the front of the lake, and it was a nice sculpture. It's like I want to go to this. But his conversation with Bucky. By the way, I crossed off my name in your book. You know, before the the Wakandans march him over to the, the jet and going to take him back and imprison him there. But wonderful performance. And again, just so unexpected as a story element. But at the same time, there's, there's other stuff going on that hopefully will pay off down the line. In fact, I forget who it was who, who said, by the way, you you paying attention to Joaquin Torres, the, the character Danny Ramirez is playing. It is significant. When they're talking in the hangar, Joaquin asks about Sam, what are you going to do with the wings? And he's like, keep them. Because we've already seen that, you know, Joaquin is, is good with tech and he, he's in the Air Force and he's supposedly going to be the next Falcon. Is he going to get a new name or is he just the, you get the wings, you get the name? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just told from friends at Marvel, it's like, we like this actor, pay attention to him and... You know, oh, he's a, a, he's a great actor. I do enjoy yeah. his performance very, very much yeah. so far in the show. And uh, mm-hmm. I could actually see him uh, holding his own on the big screen with all the other members that have been on out there thus far. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, well, then, is Sam going to end up being truly just Captain America? And if he's I... not an officially sanctioned Captain America, mm-hmm. then... Well, that's going to create a whole bunch of kerfluffles because we've got the Sokovia Accords still. And, yep. you know, they're pretty not okay with you just going, hey, I'm going to go superhero over here and do things. So <sighs> that means that he's working outside of the system, possibly, maybe. I don't know. Well, you know, face it, you know, there was that lovely throwaway line that Valentina did about the shield. You know, it's like, you know, the government doesn't own it. It's kind of a legal gray area. Right. So that's in there. But also, uh, let's talk about what got set up toward the end of episode five. You know, we, we saw Carly Morgenthal, you know, she's in a park. We've, you know, seen her meeting with groups of folks before. And she's, you know, she's meeting with the, with the gentleman who has a box full of weapons. And then at one point, the camera tilts up and... Hold up, boy, boy, back, back up. The guy with the box full of weapons. Right. Do you not recognize him? I'm. Did I mention I've been in and out of hospitals all? Oh no, no, no. That's fine. That's fine. I'm gonna link you all the way back. This is how far. This is how the MCU does you sometimes. When there's so many damn details, you can miss a thing or two. Okay. What did I miss? The guy with the weapons is the guy who was on the airplane in episode one. That was Batroc. Batroc is also the guy who no! was who fought Captain America in the very, very, very beginning on the boat of uh, the Winter Soldier. Batroc the Leaper is the comic book character name, but he's a longtime villain. Mm-hmm. He was kind of like a throwaway character when he showed up on the boat. And nobody really knew who Batroc was at that instant. You know, the, the general public didn't. And even a lot of hardcore Marvel nerds weren't terribly familiar with him. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but when when it was like, who's this Batroc character? And they go, oh, he's an actual little known character. And then people go out and they find a comic book. They read about him. He becomes kind of popular. So they brought him back for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I was excited went to see him on the airplane. Like, oh, cool. They, they brought back Batroc. I never expected mm-hmm. that. And then they have brought him back again. So he is a little villain in the Marvel comic book universe for a very, very long time. And his main gag was he just kicked and flipped. He was. And so this guy, I think the actor is like some sort of MMA fighter kind of guy that does kicks and flips. Quick question. Cause again, you know, what's an interesting social media wise is, you know, of course there's been all this talk about the power broker. Right. And the fact that, you know, there were a number of folks who was like, well, wait a minute, you know, here's Dreyfus's character coming out of the blue. Is that the power broker? But there's that one little scene in episode five with the Sharon Carter character where she's on the phone and basically berating somebody that they. She's they berating Barack, by the way. I had to go back and play it because I didn't um, understand the language. So I turned on the subtitles and it says Batroc speaking French on phone. Oh jeez! So <laughs> she she is. So she oh, set she well she set him up with what's her name the the villain uh, terrorist girl to bring the explosives or whatever he brought. Sharon arranged that meeting to happen in the park. Huh. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, she she still could be the power broker. It could be Contessa Baroness Vanessa Barefoot Contessa. Wait a minute, that's a cooking show, Barefoot Contessa. There we go, there we go. A little outside of our wheelhouse, but we'll take it. Now, I do have to say that there is one thing out of, and this is so nerdy, nitpicky, Jim, Mm -hmm. but this is the one thing that drove me nuts so far out of all of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier series thus far is near the end of our fifth episode there. Sam and Bucky are having a little chit-chat, and they're playing Bounce the Shield Off a Tree Frisbee with one another. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of having this little philosophical conversation of should we or should we not or you know should Sam be the mm-hmm. new Captain America, and uh, and then he pieces out and walks away, mm-hmm. and then Sam goes and talks to his sister and says, hey, I talked to Isaiah and Isaiah says I shouldn't, but I think I'm going to go be Captain America anyway because it's the right thing to do. And she's like, all right, brother, you go do your thing. And then mm-hmm. we get a Rocky Four montage where he does some training and he doesn't mm-hmm. know how to throw the damn shield anymore. <laughs> And he spends a good part of that montage learning how to bounce a shield off a tree. And I'm like, dude, just 10 minutes ago, you was playing Frisbee like it wasn't nothing but a thing. What the hell happened? Did you get amnesia? Or to make another community reference, did you get Changnesia? Okay. For me, again, I don't have the depth of knowledge that you have with Marvel. I actually liked the Frisbee scene out in front of the house between Sam and Bucky because it was, I loved the way they departed with the, you know, we're not friends, you know, we're co-workers. Sure. Yeah. We both knew a guy and then that guy isn't here anymore. The weird thing is we have been watching this sort of friendship get deeper and, you know, some of that heat off of here comes Bucky back to help fix the Wilson family boat and, you know, and flirting with the sister. And, and Oh, and, that and, montage was great. You know, them, them become, they're bonding. And then all of a sudden, oh my God, could they possibly be brother-in-laws? Can you imagine? Let's invite uh, Bob Saget and have a full house thing going on here. <laughs> Uh, but wonderful. The, yeah. But at the same time, the notion of watching Bucky watch out for Sam, I mean, that wonderful moment at, at the Sokovian uh, Memorial where they're, they're walking Zemo to the, the thing to take him back to Wakanda and, and 
you know, the, the, you know, the guard basically tells you, you know, you, you should make yourself scarce in Wakanda, you know, the, the, the seeable future. And it's like, and Bucky still says, I, I have one favor to ask. And, and that favor clearly was the suitcase on Sam's bed that he opens and looks at significantly. So, which we're, I guess we have to wait to episode six to find out about or, or for that matter, that it's a new costume. Come on, you oh, know it's a new costume. Of course, I know it is, but it's like same thing. Is this a, a falconized version of Captain America? You know, or is it just a Captain America outfit? And he's he's working with the shield. Because face it, we we've set up that you know we've got the the you know the global the GRC Council you know about to be captured and or has already been captured and. and and then we have that mid-credit sequence with with John Walker clearly kind of going around the bend, you know, making his own Captain America shield. And uh, you um, guys at Comic Con, I am going to be so badass because like I got some okay, so I got some cardboard and I cut it into little circles and like I put aluminum over it, but it's like really hard aluminum, guys. It's not just like your standard tin foil. This is the good stuff, okay? And oh god, it's going to be so pimp. Like oh, you guys are going to be so jealous, so jealous. Okay, so. <laughs> What is, I want to know what it's made of. That's all I want to know. I, you know um, it's not vibranium. No, it's not. But it does so have the, the, his medals that, you know, the U.S. government gave him. Bronze? Is that, yeah, I mean, uh, I is that going to stop anything? Bad. It's going to dent and chip and mm, wouldn't go up against Thanos in no battle. I'll tell you that much, young man. Seriously, do you think there's any way that they redeem Sam and we get U.S. agent? Or is this... Again, the Valentina Thunderbolt thing that you were talking about. No, we need villains. We need villains that stick around. That's a thing that we usually sometimes don't have is like, oh, we got a great villain for episode one and then we kill him off. And then we go, oh, we got a great villain for episode two and then we kill him off. And it's it's rare that we have a Loki that sticks mm -hmm. around and is beloved every time he's on screen. Mm-hmm. And ends up getting his own series coming up here in a little bit and all that stuff. So, I mean, I think we need more mayhem makers. And especially, I, I believe, a villain who believes they're doing good is, is what we need. And he's one of those guys that really thinks, I'm helping, guys. It's like, yeah, elephant in a china shop syndrome a little bit. But yeah, I get what you're going for. Well, I apologize to poor... Wyatt Russell, who, as I understand it, has gotten a lot of guff online for his portrayal of John Walker. But he's done a wonderful job. He's a great villain. And if they're, yes. they're going to keep him going, especially if, as we hinted to the top of the show, it looks like, you know, this, uh, there's a season two coming of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I, I can't wait uh, to see where this goes. Okay. A couple of quick things before Aaron and I close here. I wanted to share something that a gentleman called Matt Alorian posted online earlier today. He was referencing to this past year and two months or so of what we've all been dealing with with the pandemic and COVID and social isolation and that sort of thing. But he actually referred to this period of time we've all gone through as the blip. And it's like, yes, that's what it is. Just we all a lost year that didn't time. happen. Yeah, yeah. So the blip. Okay, you know. So again, I want to credit Madeline. He came up with this idea that we should all embrace that. And finally, I know we talked about this earlier, but we 
as a people, as a world, just do not deserve Chris Evans. Did you see the story this past weekend about how Lizzo uh, drunkenly direct messaged Chris Evans and how Chris Evans responded? Yep. Yep. The quote here, I just wanted to share this. It, it, there's no shame in a drunk direct message. And he put up the uh, face blowing a kiss emoji. It says, God knows I've done worse with this app. You know, and then the flake face plant emoji. And of course, that refers to Mr. Evans accidentally sharing pictures of a certain body part online. But the fact that he was so sweet and, and put his own embarrassing episode out there to sort of make it okay for, for Lizzo to drunk. And the, the, the fun thing is, she then immediately puts out the message herself to the effect of, you know, see? Oh my God. You know, she said her only concern was the downside of all this is I'm still not going to be able to marry him. So I read that story, Jim, and I was rather upset by the whole thing. Were you now? Yes. Okay. I have sent many a picture to Chris Evans, sober, <laughs> of various body parts, and he has not yet responded not once. So I feel a little jilted. Okay. But whatever, that's just me. Well, maybe pictures now with the amazing guitar, which is green from one side and blue from another side and purple from another side. I mean, that, 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 that could be a, a game changer. I'm just saying. I don't know. The pictures were green from one side, blue from another. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. That's uh, perfect end there. Okay. Well, thanks for listening, folks. Just want to remind you, we do have some other shows here at the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. We've got Disney Dish with Lentesto. We've got Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor. Universal Joint with Dustin Fuse. Those will all be out within the next week or so. Also, folks, if you could do Aaron and I a favor, if you get out, head over to Apple Podcast and rate and review Marvelous Disney, that would be very, very helpful. Social media-wise, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media and over on Facebook at Jim Hill Media News. Thanks for listening, folks.